Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Freeside, everyone. We're back for a second part on what is going on in Gaza and Israel because, um, A, it's the only thing, I think it's the only thing we want to talk about. I think it's the only thing people are talking about. It's awful hard, it, it, it's awful hard to be to be frivolous, you know, and to, to but, I mean, there's just no accounting for human beings. I don't know if you read the uh, piece in the mirror about uh, the woman from Doncaster. This is somebody says here. In, in, and it just shows you people believe anything, you know. In, in which, which, which is which is part of the in the which, firing line, Doncaster. Which, yeah, which is <laughs> yeah, which is part of the the whole sort of. Uh, Israeli weaponry is the propaganda and, and forcing people to believe that black is white. <laughs> right. A woman panicked in her village near Doncaster and thought it was under attack when she spotted a number of paragliders flying over her home and she thought they were from Hamas. <laughs> the woman has since slammed the selfish paragliders who, quote, made me think Hamas were invading Doncaster. <laughs> I mean... Invading, invading Doncaster is nearly as bad as the time the DUP invaded Clontibret in County Monaghan. I mean, why, why, of all the places in the world you could invade? Well, when when uh, when Jack Charlton became Ireland manager, he appointed Morris Setters as his assistant, and he did so with the famous words, "He's well placed living in Doncaster." <laughs> so uh, um, it has form yeah. for uh, centering itself into a, a conflict. Although maybe that's what Netanyahu means when he says this is everybody's yeah. concern. Uh, and I think that is one of those things we might look at today. Every, no, they they always say everyone must stand with Israel, every right-thinking person, and the world order must stand with us, world leaders must stand with us, you know. I mean, and I see it must be an absolute affront to them that the Spanish government has called them out for war crimes. Well, you see, this is the thing that is, uh, and we, we, ended, I mean, the UK, we ended last week, ended last week, we'll get to the UK and, and their response, but the... We ended last week by talking about 9-11. And I think uh, when Netanyahu says these things, when, when, when Rishi Sunak visited and he said, you know, uh, 
they are using the rhetoric that was used around 9-11. Correct. Correct. And it's a very simple thing. You know, uh, Netanyahu, As we supported you yeah, when this you... Is our, you know. this, this is our darkest hour. It is the world's darkest hour. We just stand together and we will win. And this is why I support. Uh, this is why I support. I value your support. And the fact you, you are here, we must win together. Ima- now, and imagine, imagine, imagine hugging Netanyahu after what he has been guilty of through the years. I mean, and I'm conscious of how the writers in Haratz, for example, are just aghast that this man is the is the the, the uh, leader of, of, of such a proud people. Like. Well, it's something I want, I want to get to. In this, well, I, in this I wanted to, I wanted to pick up where we left off okay. the last day, which was this idea of just the constant lies of the IDF and the Israeli government. I mean, it's just it's like there are pathological liars, so that they now say it. I mean, it just, it's effortless. It just trips off the tongue. And how they have in the past blamed everyone else and all of the, all of the checklist of excuses that we've, that we've been talking about. But in, in August 2022, the, uh, the day after another atrocity, uh, 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 an encampment was hit in, uh, Gaza, and again, what was what was said immediately was, we don't conduct strikes in that area, you know, um, based on intelligence, based on intelligence assessments, and this is a sort of a cut and paste sentence, can be concluded that this was a self-inflicted injury, you know, this was another faulty Palestinian rocket, and then what they said, you know, get out. They said to the people of Gaza at the start of this, get out and go south. And then 70 people, mostly women and children, they're in, they're in a convoy of, the United Nations described it to the Associated Press as a convoy of families and cars, makeshift trucks and donkey carts, packed with possessions streaming down the main road out of Gaza City, going south. And 70 people, mostly women and children, are then killed in Israeli strikes. And uh, video footage of the of of one of the trailers shows you know that it's a trailer behind a, a truck and it's it's like chock full of civilians. It reminded me of those, you know, de- dinghies desperately overcrowded with people trying to cross the Mediterranean, chock full of civilians just moments before it was struck. Plus two cars, and there you go, seventy people, big deal, you know, and. Um, the IDF said, this was a Hamas attack designed to blacken Israel's reputation. We do not target civilians. Hamas are trying to keep Palestinians in Gaza and are refusing to let them go. Um, I mean, Mark Regev, who's a serial offender in this regard, or Comical Mark, do you remember Comical Ali? Mm. who was Saddam Hussein's cousin, you know, who said whenever the Americans, you can actually see the Americans behind him, their tanks rolling into Baghdad. He was saying, we shall, we are crushing the American infidel as we speak. Again, and we'll play the clip with Victoria Derbyshire in the BBC. And Victoria was upset because it is unsettling when you're, in, when you're faced with this sort of, um, you know, unequivocal evil, I think is the way to describe it. She said, earlier... On our sister program, this is about the the murder of 70 civilians fleeing Gaza in Israeli airstrikes, okay? Well, said to be Israeli airstrikes. Uh, Victoria Derbyshire says, Earlier on our sister program, an IDF spokesperson said this was fake news. What do you say? Yes, yes, that is our information. This was staged by Hamas to discourage people from leaving. Israel does not target, not target, I repeat, Israel does not target innocent civilians. To come back to the strike on the convoy of people as they were leaving northern Gaza. Earlier this morning on our sister program, an IDF spokesperson said it was fake news. What do you say? Yes, yes, that is our information. uh, That this was staged by Hamas to discourage people from leaving. Israel does not target does not target, I repeat, uh, non-combatants, innocent civilians. Well, Our enemy well, that, that, is that, that, the Hamas. I mean, that, that, that can't be true because so many innocent civilians in Gaza have already died. 
I disagree. I disagree. This is like, the fuck are so many of them being slaughtered? I mean, who's killing them? How is all of this happening? You know, and I, and, and I mean, I can remember the blackest white thing very starkly whenever Shireen Abu Akleh, you know, the, the, the very respected Palestinian-American journalist with Al Jazeera, she was murdered by an Israeli sniper in May hmm. last year. And uh, the Prime Minister at the time, Naftali Bennett, who's another bad egg, there is a high probability that the Palestinian journalist who was killed in an Israeli military operation in the West Bank has been killed by Palestinian fire. And uh, Benny Gantz, the Israeli defense minister, he had a press conference. He said, we are going to investigate this very seriously. You know, and, and insisting again, initial indications do not indicate that the Israeli army soldiers opened fire. And ultimately, because there was sort of film footage and uh, there were even, even, uh, the Americans, ultimately, although the Biden administration basically embraced Israel's version of events initially and resisted launching an independent investigation into the killing of a U.S. citizen, Congress forced the White House to agree to an FBI inquiry in November 2022. And uh, you know what Israel did? They said, we will not cooperate with this. And... Um, The Israelis, in that case, as they do all the time, they just don't give a fuck. It doesn't matter to them oh, because it, as long as as long as the Americans have their back, you know. It does remind they, me. They, they, the committee me. to let me just finish this. The committee to protect journalists, okay, released just ten days ago to coincide with the anniversary of of Shireen's death. They released a report that showed that. Israel has never charged any soldier in the killings of at least 20 journalists, 18 of whom were Palestinians since 2001. Basically, the idea there is keep the fucking journalists away as well. Don't let them into Gaza. Keep them away from the trouble spots because the last thing we want is these fuckers telling the truth. So we'll shoot them as well. I mean, in Shireen's case, she couldn't have been clearly more clearly marked as an independent observer. She was wearing a press flak jacket, a press helmet, navy, with very, very large letters. Yeah, fuck. It doesn't mind. Well, it fucking shoot her, and it doesn't fucking matter it, it, anyway. It, it, you know, it does. ever going to happen to us, you know? It does remind me of the reasons given for uh, deaths in South Africa by the security police, you know, when people were would die in custody, and there was always an official explanation, and I'm just looking up some of them. Uh, you know, there used to be things like fell downstairs, slipped, yeah. uh, suicide by jumping through 10th floor window, suicide yeah. by hanging, and then my favourite, in, in a kind of black humour way, slipped in shower. I, the and bit, these people would be dead at the end of, you know... It's a bit like, these, it's a bit like the, the excuses given, you know, by women who are suffering from chronic domestic abuse you know I fell against the fell against the door and uh, I slipped over and uh, I mean in in Shireen's case not only that but after after she was murdered the Israeli police forcibly entered her home in Jerusalem and attacked the mourners you know like it's just like you know you're shit under our shoe. You're untermensch, you know. You fucking animals, you know. And they obstructed the funeral procession as it tried to go towards Jerusalem, you know. And you know they they, they attacked the mourners. I mean, there were very vivid pictures. I don't know if you remember them at the time. Very vivid pictures of the of the military trying to prevent her being buried and beating. The mourners with buttons, you know, just running into them and beating them. And you know what? They would have shot them as well. Shireen Abu Akla was one of the best-known voices to Palestinians. Now in death, a national symbol. But grief for a revered reporter was to turn to fear and panic for the mourners. Israel's security forces had entered the hospital gates as Palestinians tried to walk the coffin out. The police fired stun grenades 
and push the crowd back. Many rush for cover inside. We've had complete chaos with people trying to get inside. I saw a woman with a very young baby, a patient, or somebody who was here just at the hospital, caught in the middle of a huge crowd trying to get inside. And even the pool bearers had to retreat as police kicked and beat them with batons. And the coffin slips to the ground. Why not? I mean, they, 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 while Sky News teams were present on the ground last week, you know, Israeli snipers killed four teenagers in the sight of the Sky News team. You know, and a clearly shaken, a clearly shaken Sky representative said to the IDF spokesperson, like, you know, well, we saw this. He said, yeah, yes, you know what I mean? They're taunting our soldiers. You know, we don't tolerate that anymore. You know, we've been, he said, like, we've been, we've been far too restrained until now. You know, it's like fucking, imagine, saying, oh, we've shown restraint until now. And so, you know, four months after the assassination of Shireen, and this is just a dismal picture that emerges from this clearly out-of-control rogue state. You know, imagine, imagine, Imagine any sort of um, civilised European state tried to do this sort of thing that's going on. You know, in, in this day and age, I know the British got away with it for a very, very, very long time. But four months after her assassination, the Israeli army announced that the military prosecutors have not found any violation that requires opening a criminal investigation into the killing of Abu Akleh. Because after all, she's a Palestinian animal. And as far as we're concerned, you know, we don't really care about that. The Office of the United Nations, the High Commissioner for Human Rights, did carry out an investigation. And it showed conclusively that she had been killed by a bullet fired from the direction of the Israeli forces. They urged Israel to conduct a criminal investigation into her death. And the Israeli, you know what the Israeli army said in response? They said the United Nations was biased and, and, and were, and, and were pro-Palestinian. So there, there you go. Do you think, fuck off, do you think that, you know, we've talked about this, how Palestine has, has not, for whatever reason, and whether it's <coughs> racism, whatever, it hasn't been, has been ignored for too long. I, I Maybe I'm naive. I, I feel that one of the things that is happening now is that that isn't going to be the case anymore. Because when we talk about this and you talk about yeah. the truth, I think one of the things that is obvious here, and it, again, it is like the parallels with Iraq after 9-11 are huge because, you know, we saw how many people um, in the lead up to Iraq, and now it didn't stop America and Britain, but how many people marched on the streets, you know, went out because they knew they could, they weren't stupid. They could tell that there was no, there was no connection between what had happened and 9-11 and what was being advanced in Iraq through and were, and through no, weapons and of mass there were no weapons of mass yeah and all and they didn't they didn't believe these stories and I think no matter how much uh, spin Net, Net, yeah Netanyahu talks about this or, or, or puts out these lines that there is and we're seeing it within Israel we're seeing it around the world and I think within Israel is a really important thing because it it gives you some hope for that sense. Or that that chance of a of a two state solution at some point. I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't think. I don't think that that's correct. I think that the game here. The game here is to try and force uh, the Palestinians to get out of Gaza, to to greatly shrink Gaza, to annex those parts of Gaza which they're already busily annexing through all the settlers um, who are running amok, and and to achieve ethnic cleansing. And and then you know they will all of this all of this will just be repeated. But the Israelis' view is: look, this is an opportunity to maybe knock a million out of that two million. Um, we'll probably kill ten or twenty thousand of them. You know, we're obviously not going to be able to kill all of them, although we want to do that. And uh, and that's the game. I mean, you are right. I think that the people are seeing with their own eyes and hearing with their own ears. Which is one, which is what one of the sort of leading Palestinian scholars 
exhorted people to do. You know, they're powerless. They say, please listen, just listen. You know, don't 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 fall for this these fantasies that are being peddled. And I note that the Jewish Voice for Peace, for example, which is a very powerful Jewish movement, and one of the leaders of that is the sort of world-renowned Jewish writer and thinker Naomi Klein. And and we'd play that clip. We're calling for a ceasefire. We're calling for an end to the war crimes in Gaza. Many of us grew up telling ourselves that if we were ever witness to genocide again, we would stand in the way. We would put our bodies in the way. We would raise our voices. We would say never again on our watch. We cannot simply watch the collective punishment, forced displacement, and ethnic cleansing that is happening now in Gaza. But they released a statement this week, you know, just as we demand an end to the genocide in Gaza, we must put into the same effort into dismantling the systems of Zionism, apartheid and colonialism that has brought Israel to this moment. The only way to peace and safety for everyone is through ensuring justice and equality for everyone. And of course that's right. That means standing in solidarity with Palestinians. It means building a world beyond Zionism. You know, we can and will stop genocide in Gaza, but this horrific situation was only... This is Jewish people, a very strong Jewish group, because of the groundwork laid by the Israeli state over 75 years ago. You know, I paused to say 800 years in Ireland and look at us now. Since 1948, the Israeli government has built a system of apartheid and illegal occupation. Today alone, 500 Jews were arrested and 10,000 took to the streets. This is in Washington, to support and to demand a ceasefire and an end to Palestinian genocide. And they shut down Congress. So these peaceful, you know, uh, educated Jews, 10,000 of them shut down Congress to draw mass attention to what they said is the United States' complicity in Israel's, on, Israel's ongoing oppression of Palestinians. And, and, you know, you cannot hold back the videos. You can't hold back what's going on. I mean, I don't know if you saw this week um, the extraordinary Palestinian um, thinker and comedian Bessem Youssef on, on Piers Morgan's show. You sent it to me. I mean, we will, we will play some clips from it, but you know, he was making the point. I mean, I don't know if you saw the ghastly Ron DeSantis, you know, who would sell his grandmother uh, for a pound. The ghastly Ron DeSantis. Uh, why are all these people so ghastly? ghastly he, said, is, is, he, said, he said, you know, when he was being challenged by a Palestinian, uh, when he was on the hustings, Palestinian guy, you know, who, who, who runs a, a ski shop in, in uh, the area where the hustings was being held. He said, like, you know, this is genocide. Like, what the hell is this? And DeSantis said, look, you know, Israel, my friend, is the only military force in the world that warns civilians to get out before it bombs them. You know, and Yusuf said, how fucking cute. Jesus, Jesus, he gives him a medal. Like, you know, if you don't get out of your homes and fuck off, we'll, we'll probably bomb you anyway on the way and then we'll blame somebody else. You know, we'll say that, you know, we'll go through the, we'll go through the playbook, the propagandistic playbook. You know, and he made the point, you know, about the Israeli defense minister calling Palestinians human anim animals, you know, and he made the, the very powerful example, and again we'll play this clip of the 71-year-old man in Illinois who butchered a Muslim child, yeah. a Palestinian child, and left his mother in intensive care. And an extraordinary detail came out from that. That elderly man used to play with that child and be a welcome visitor in their home. And... Then the propaganda, the evil Muslims, the evil Palestinians. Mm. A 71-year-old man goes in with a knife and stabs a defenseless child 27 times. I would, say, I would say I really applaud Israel for doing one thing that no military force in the world does. Because I heard, I heard Ben Shapiro and I heard Ron DeSantis and they said... They said Israel is the only military force in the world that warns civilians before bombing them. I mean, how fucking cute. That is so nice of them. So, because with this logic, if Russian troops started warning Ukrainians before bombing their houses, 
We're cool with Putin, right? I mean, okay, Habibi, you have uh, warned them, go invade. It's fine. You have done your job. Israel defense minister, he said, those are human animals. Mm. And I think it's Ben Shapiro should know better because, you know, long before the Holocaust, before Jewish people were thrown in the gas chambers, the Nazi propaganda called them rats. Mm. Now, as a human being, I will never accept that another human being being thrown in a, into a gas chamber, but uh, a rat, kill a t- ten, kill a thousand, three thousand five hundred. They are son of a bitch. They are human animals who live in open sewage and decapitate babies. And mm. because of that propaganda, Mr. Morgan, mm. that guy in Illinois, the 71 years old guy, he killed, stabbing the six years old Palestinian kid in Illinois 26 times. And he used to play with him. They used to be friends. But he went in, marching into their apartment, stabbing his mother and killing him, shouting, all Muslims could die. Yeah. It took you 80 years to change one word from Jewish to Muslim. Mm. The thing is, this is the problem. Israel always victimizes itself. And I have never seen a victim putting their oppressor under siege and bombing them 24-7. Israel wants you to believe that they are the victim. Is, dealing with Israel is so difficult. It's like being in a relationship with a narcissistic psychopath. He fucks you up and then he makes you think it's your fault. All right, you Basim. look at Israel as Superman, but they're really homelander. Wallah, they are like, they are shooting Basim, fish in a barrel thing. and they are annoyed with the splashes. And, you know, the, the, the other notable feature of what countries like Israel do is they paint, they paint themselves as victims, you know. They are the victim. You know, and they're they're a victim who, I mean, it's just so weird. Again, it's that bizarre world where, where you sort of you confuse and bewilder people by turning reality on its head. You know, Steve Bannon famously called it um, hosing. What's this? He called it hosing the hosing hosing the pitch with shit, something like that. You know, sort of basically just turning reality on its head, continuing to repeat these mantras until people become very confused. But Israel painted itself as the victim. How dare you? Did you see our children that were murdered? You know, are you an anti-Semite? What is wrong with you? You know, and this is a victim with one of the most powerful militaries in the world putting, putting their oppressor under siege, reducing them to a peasantry, causing them to live in poverty and essentially a, a, a large, a large prison. And bombing them 24-7. You know, and I think of these exhausted, hungry doctors turning off life support machines. You know, the people in there are reduced to conditions akin to the trenches in World War I. No shelters, no safe rooms, no alerts, no iron dome, no planes. You know, a primitive force of guerrilla fighters signing up to almost certain death. Which is what it is. Um, in the last episode, we mentioned I was talking about that letter that a number of Jewish lawyers wrote, and there's a line in it that kind of fits in now, where they said, "In the conduct of any military campaign, politicians and commanders alike must be careful to ensure that their words do not imply to their troops that the laws of war can be disregarded, nor employ any language whose effect is to dehumanize a civilian population." Now, that letter was written by a number of people, including Lord Newberger, who was the former president of the oh, UK Supreme, the Supreme Court. Court yeah. And and this is, I think, when you talk about genocide, this is interesting. I appeared in front of him once, you know. Did you? Yeah, he wasn't happy with me. Was he on my did you say? I don't know. I think it's just, you know, I just tend to give up, that, give off that sort of Larry David vibe, you know. He didn't like it. Oh, great. This is the Supreme Court. Hello. How are you today? You weren't deferential enough. Oh, it's extremely deferential. Yeah, I can I say you were. Oh. You know, people ask me why, you know, why I'm not a king's counsel. You know, I'll never take an oath to the king. Right. Yeah, you know what? There's nothing wrong with King Charles. I'm sure he's a fine fellow and all the rest of it. You know, but me coming from my community, you know, I'm not going to pledge any oath of allegiance to... Is that to, why you're to, not a case to, to the Yeah, absolutely, to the English king. Right. So I simply wouldn't do it. I have nothing against the man. Yeah. You know, um... You know, I was tapped up once, asked once whether or not I might be interested in honours from the Queen for services to Oregon. Mm. You know, there, 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 there are limits, and deep down, you know, I, I will not, I would not do that. I simply will not do that. You know, Sir I mean, Joe Brown. I, I uh, well, I mean, sometimes you have to stand your ground. Mm. You know, you you have to stand for something. You know, and I don't mean that in any militaristic way. I just mean that. 
that in the end, in the end, the most important thing is your integrity. You know, and I look at these people like Rishi Sunak, you know, Keir Starmer. I mean, I look at the fact that, that you know, Keir Starmer said, oh, yes, I do believe Israel has that right to starve the population, etc. And I think to myself, you know, what profit a man, you know, if he gains the highest office in the land in England, you know, as prime minister, if he loses his soul in the process? You know, what, do, what does it profit you? In, and Can I just finish this point on this on this letter? Because the one thing I want to say about the other one of the other I signatories, thought, I, thought, I thought you were finished. No, because you jumped in to tell me your story about about appearing in front of the Supreme Court, and then we went into your turning down the honours. You know, and I was kind of dreaming of. I, I wouldn't be able to go back into Dungiven Club. Dreaming, Mind well, you, imagine going into Dungiven Club and saying, you know, Sir I, Joe Brawley. Yes, you know the way Ben Kingsley apparently, um, you know the actor, and he's Sir Ben, but he insists. I mean, it yeah. becomes furious if he's not called Sir Ben at all times and on set. Sir Ben, yeah. imagine Sir. Joseph. Sir Joseph Brawley. So I say, oh, Lady Brawley. Oh, uh, oh, Sir Joseph, lovely to see you this evening. Will, will you have a pint of Guinness? I say, well, I, yes, I, I, I says, well, no, no, that's the thing. I, I might think. insist on, on ladies curtsying and men bowing in my presence. You kind of do already Sir sometimes. Joseph Brawley. You know, I think it happens naturally. Um, it's all sort of spoiled, you know, when you look at the people who are serious. No, I know, that's it, that's it. You don't, wouldn't want to be... Anyway, finish this letter, come on. No, I, Philip Sands was the other person who signed that letter, one of the other people who signed that letter. And what's interesting about him, it's just a little thing when you talk about genocide, that he wrote that magnificent book, East West Street, which deals with uh, the trials at Nuremberg and the two men who came from Leave, where his his family originated from. And Leave is a a, a place with incredible history, but it also is uh, the place where Raphael Lemkin, who came up with the idea of genocide, came from. And also where uh, Hurst Lauterbacht, the two two of them came out of leave and they came out of that area. And he came up with the idea of crimes against humanity. So Philip Sands, East West Street is an incredible book, a really astonishing book. But he's also a human rights lawyer. So when he's writing these things, it is it is not just uh, uh, the legal mind. And, and one of the things I think is important about this is when he ends with those lines, Jewish history teaches us that we cannot give up on them. Because you've talked a lot about people talking about Jewish history in a way that is used to advance this aggression and this yeah. uh, oppression of, of other people. But this is what is, what, is, what is strong about this is that they are taking the exact opposite because of what happened to the Jewish people. Yeah. We must be even more, more determined yeah, a, that, that these laws are not violated, are not so desperately violated. we know from our history where the only place where this can end, you know, and we see, we see, for example, Vladimir Putin's Russia, all the same propaganda about Ukraine. They're animals, they're subhumans, Mm. they're beheading our soldiers, you know. They are, they are deliberately using the civilians in Ukraine as human shields. They're using exactly the same propaganda, you know, and we quite rightly stand with Ukraine but you know we would not stand with Ukraine if it comes to committing war crimes I mean the Israeli security minister Ayelet Shaked on Sky again enraged and very offensive and extremely defensive of the interviewer Israel is fighting monsters how dare you ask me that question these people behead babies these people are worse than the Nazis said that Israeli Defence Forces is the most moral army in the world. Fuck me. How dare you ask about Palestinian civilians? And as for Palestinian civilians, they're the ones who elected Hamas and they could bring them down if they want to. There are no innocent Palestinian civilians. It's absolutely jaw-dropping green lighting Mm. of, of genocide. And we, we look at the pictures coming out of Gaza and we are, we are lost for words. I found myself in a way that I haven't done probably since, you know, since I, I remember in the hunger strikes during that time feeling really emotional and upset and very, very depressed and not quite believing what was happening 
and thinking, you know, we would never get out of it. But, I mean, this is, this is really government, is the very pits of humanity. They're shorn of anything that makes us human. You know, they're liars. I mean, they're just, they just lie habitually. They're frauds. They're bullies. They're murderers. You know, they're cowards. They're, they're sophisticated military pitilessly destroying a defenseless peasantry from a safe distance. You know, and interestingly, Norman Finkelstein, the great, one of probably the greatest sort of Jewish philosopher, thinker, political scientist of the modern era, he, he has written this week that they are cards, that they are afraid to mount a ground assault in Gaza. They don't want to get bogged down. Young Israeli conscripts who are coming in there who live very nice lifestyles in Israel, who live in a very, very sophisticated world, you know, more like the West, more like the West Bank in Paris, than than the West Bank in 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 Palestine, you know they do not want to be going in there and putting their lives on the line, and why should they? Whenever Israel can do the job remotely, they can just massacre a population, they can force them out, and all the rest of it. But Finkelstein, his point is that this is this is one of the hallmarks of a really bullying autocratic you know government that. There's a card that's at play. He thinks, and I know that, you know, I've been very, very disappointed with Joe Biden. I've said this before. If Joe Biden had said, look, I'm going to go into Gaza. I'm going to bring my entourage there. He can't stop the most powerful man in the world going in there. I'm going to go in there. I'm going to seek conditions for myself. I want, uh, I insist on a ceasefire for 24 hours to get me in there. You know, I don't expect there's going to be any problems or any trouble and then he could do his tour of the hospitals. He could do his tour in general. He could, he could, almost single-handedly, Dion, because he is very good at it. I mean, I've seen Joe Biden come into our hospice, you know, which is named in honor of his son, Bo, who served with distinction in the military and who died in hospice himself. And to see Joe Biden, you know, so tenderly hugging the, 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 our patients who are at the end of life, some of them with a day or two to live, you know, meets all of our patients, spends an hour with them, weeps with them, and came out clearly, clearly moved. Okay. What's the difference between those precious human lives in our hospices and the precious human lives in Gaza? What's the fucking difference? It's extremely. I know we, we moralizing to see this, that human beings are being, massacre this way the most powerful man in the world who in my view has the potential to be a great force for good couldn't say look you know I'm going to stand with humanity of course I support Israel we will always support Israel we love the people of Israel but we cannot condone war crimes we cannot condone this and I'm going to go in personally and bring my personal clout to bear and I which he is brilliant at I will humanize these people. I will show the world. You know, I will put an end to this nonsense, this, this inhumane, this horrific, inhumane characterization of an entire race of people as animals and subhuman. I will go in there and embrace them. I will listen to their stories. Just as I listened to the heartbreaking stories of the Israeli survivors of the appalling Hamas massacre. And Joe Biden was absolutely right to meet those people and to hear their stories, you know. But why, why could he not? He's fucking 79, 80 years of age now. Electorally, it's not going to make any difference to him in America. In fact, it's, been, it's going to be very damaging to him because... You know, the very large Muslim population in America is already making it clear that they will not vote for Biden in the election. And the latest polls show them deserting en masse for Cornell West, you know, the sort of Harvard wild boy. Mm -hmm. So why coming to the end of a very dignified, very good life where he has all the power in the world, 
could he not go and say, look, I am going to go into Gaza and I'm going to... Because Gaza's not... Gaza's a very multicultural place. There are Anglican churches. There's a large Catholic community, Christian community, Muslim community. Go in, bring the cameras with them, humanize them. He could almost do this job himself. We saw what Jimmy Carter did with the Egypt-Israeli peace talks when he brought them to Camp David. Mm. And he kept them there. And he treated them all with respect. And they did the fucking job that people well, thought could never be done. But could he not at least, as the humanitarian that I believe him to be, could he not at least do that? Well, I watched... Uh, I Would watched, stop everybody in I, their tracks. I, I watched a documentary on Netflix, The Human Factor, about... You now, it's, it's told through the, uh, the recollections of American advisors um, during the peace process, during the, mainly during the Clinton administration... Um, but from that, I watched this extraordinary speech that Bill Clinton gave in 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 uh, in Gaza at the opening of Gaza Airport in 1998, when he addressed the Palestinian National Congress, and he spoke according to one of his advisors in this documentary. He spoke spontaneously. He had no sleep. He was in the middle of the entire Monica Lewinsky scandal. Everything was was going going wrong. And he, went to, and he went to Gaza and he was so invested in Gaza. And what, one of the reasons he was uh, so invested was because of the assassination. I thought, of, you, I thought you were going to say one of the reasons he was so invested was because of the Monica Lewinsky Well, for a I mean, the morning, the morning that, the, that the Star Inquiry dropped the bombshell about his, his other lover, Jennifer, with Jennifer Flowers, Flowers wasn't it? Yeah. Um, Bill, the old charlatan that he was, you know, held a prayer meeting of all the heads of all the denominations of America in the White House, in the Oval Office, and bowed his head and prayed for their, and they all prayed for, they all prayed that God would forgive him. I mean, nobody, nobody could, nobody could, nobody could, nobody could fucking handle an old show like Bill. Nobody, nobody embodied the words of the Whitman poem, I am large, I contain multitudes more than Bill Clinton. Nobody had more multitudes than Bill Clinton. That guy, that guy could get away with him because he had, he had what uh, Francis Ween famously described as, um, he had oceans of false empathy. You know, I mean, the man—the man was an empathy junkie. Yeah. Well, I, but, uh, but 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 you know, there. I mean, do you not agree with me? Do you I, not agree yeah. with me that if Joe Biden were to go to Gaza and say, "I am going to Gaza," no, I, as he, I, as I, he's I, quite nobody can stop him. No, I completely agree with, with you. And nobody this, can stop. And him. this is this is the problem. And I w- like I would watch that uh, doc- documentary because it is, and this is one of the things I want to talk about because. The, the absence of of anything happening in, in in the Middle East, and you would think that this would be a point where people would say, right, now we need to make things happen because people have abandoned Palestine. Like what's been happening in the Middle East has been that countries around the Middle East, like UAE, Saudi Arabia, were about to normalize uh, relations with Israel before the Hamas attack, and that may have had something to do with it. But basically everybody had said, we can't, that is insolvable now. We cannot, we're just, we'll just forget about Palestine. And when you watch, and this is the point I was going to make about it. He makes Which is exactly we, how Netanyahu wants it. Exactly. How, because, and I'll come back to this because I, I there's a. Because he's a thoroughly rotten human but it, but being. It, but, it, but it has been his point of view all the way along. And if you watch this documentary, you will see when he enters the equation, how everything is, is, is just gets ready to fall apart. Now he's not the only reason it falls apart, but he is, he is part of it. Um, but when when Clinton spoke in Gaza, he said, you know, he stood up and he talked about, it, and we might play this clip because it's so moving. He talks about meeting four Palestinian children um, and then having met the night before four Israeli children. I've had two profoundly emotional experiences in the last less than twenty four hours. I was with Sherman Arafat, and four little children came to see me whose fathers are in Israeli prisons. Last night, I met some little children whose fathers had been killed in conflict with Palestinians at the dinner that Prime Minister Netanyahu had for me. Both children brought tears to my eyes. We have to find a way 
for both sets of children to get their lives back and to go forward. Palestinians must recognize the right of Israel and its people to live safe and secure lives today, tomorrow, and forever. Israel must recognize the right of Palestinians to aspire to live free today, tomorrow, and forever. And I ask you to remember these experiences I had with these two groups of children. If I had met them in reverse order, I would not have known which ones were Israeli and which Palestinian. If they had all been lined up in a row and I had seen their tears, I could not tell whose father was dead and whose father was in prison, or what the story of their lives were, making up the grief that they bore. We must acknowledge that neither side has a monopoly on pain or virtue. How does it be We're all exactly the same. But last Does it matter? Does it matter? Like where we're from, what we look like, what our color is, what our disabilities are, what our sexuality has to be. But so it's also like it's also goddamn simple. I can never understand this, you know. It's all so fucking simple to be a human being. If you treat people with respect and dignity, you know, treat them with a bit of love and empathy. Jesus. Subtle results, still you, but with fewer lines. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, is a prescription medicine used to temporarily make moderate to severe frown lines, crow's feet, and forehead lines look better in adults. Effects of Botox Cosmetic may spread hours to weeks after injection, causing serious symptoms. Alert your doctor right away as difficulty swallowing, speaking, breathing, eye problems, or muscle weakness may be a sign of a life-threatening condition. Patients with these conditions before injection are at highest risk. Don't receive Botox Cosmetic if you have a skin infection. Side effects may include allergic reactions, injection site pain, head eyebrow and eyelid drooping and eyelid swelling. Allergic reactions can include rash, welts, asthma symptoms, and dizziness. Tell your doctor about medical history, muscle or nerve conditions including ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease, myasthenia gravis, or Lambert-Eaton syndrome and medications, including botulinum toxins, as these may increase the risk of serious side effects. For full safety information, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. See for yourself at BotoxCosmetic.com. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. It's Christ. But Joe, you talk about you talk about Joe Biden not going to Gaza, and I agree with you. But even you look at what happened in the United Nations last week when Brazil put forward a resolution that would have called for humanitarian pauses to allow full, safe, and unhindered access for United Nations agencies and their parties. If if adopted, the resolution would have condemned all violence and hostilities against civilians and all acts of terrorism and would have unequivocally rejected and condemned the terrorist attacks by Hamas that took place in Israel yes. starting on 7th of October. That resolution, and the United Nations is in paralysis because of the makeup of the Security Council, yeah. but that resolution was vetoed by the United States. Yeah, the UK abstained. The UK and Russia abstained. But the, but the US voted against voted it. Against voted that. against a humanitarian ceasefire. Yeah. So um, Joe Biden picks up the phone. He says... What does it profit 
Joe Biden to be the president of the most powerful country in the world. You know, if he allows this slaughter to continue of the innocents. I mean, I, I, I told you in, uh, I think on Tuesday, that, uh, you know, my wife was weeping before she left. We, 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 we were, she was heading off for four or five days. And she wept, we were having breakfast together, you know. And what I think had been the catalyst for her was a clip, which I think we'll, we'll play for the listener. And it's a small child in a hospital in Gaza that's been coming under attack. And the child is almost completely covered in dust. You know, the child looks, Dion, like a you know, almost like has been made up with special effects. And the child's covered in blood. And the child's shaking. Shaking with terror. You know, the small child. And the child says to the doctor, Am I still alive? And the doctor says, Of course. Of course you're alive. And the doctor takes this bloodied and battered child in his arms and cradles him tender. And the child starts to weep, you know, just weep. And all that's okay, because they're human animals, you know. Their life's not worth anything. And what I want to know is, and, you know, it's long since passed. I mean, obviously, Israel are a powerful strategic ally of, of America in the region, you know. And America controls the flow of weaponry to Israel, backs it in all sorts of ways, you know. It's long since past the time where America would say, look, you know, we're going we're gonna to look seriously at peace here. And um, you're going to have to come with us, okay? Well, we'll we'll support you, we'll fund you, we can present this to the public in any way that you want. You know, I believe already that uh, Biden has most probably persuaded the Israelis not to launch a ground offensive. And uh, I know it's paltry, you know, but they're, they announced just a few days ago, that they were going to let 28 trucks into Gaza. Fuck me, like 28 trucks for 2.3 million people. But what would, what, at this point in his life, what does it gain him to allow this genocide to continue, these terrible, terrible crimes against humanity to continue? What, what, what does it profit him? I mean, Joe's never been interested in money. Whenever he was the vice president, he left the Rose Garden on his last day with Barack Obama and he had $80,000 to his name. And then he wrote his autobiography and, you know, got the big advance and all the rest of it. And, you know, but he's never been money-oriented, no interest in money. Um, what does it profit him? Why? Why allow this to happen? But, but it's, it's not just a question of what does it profit him, but it, it's... It, it speaks to the absence of leadership everywhere because, you know, and this is something we talked about when we had Peter Taylor in, how important were personalities in terms of, of achieving a peace yeah. and how important, and, and that, 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 that um, incredible uh, disproportionate power that a personal relationship can have in being symbolic and being yeah. and creating it. And we saw it in the North with McGuinness and Paisley, you know, these incredible, these incredibly symbolic moments when people and like McGuinness, because of, of where he'd come from having the, and Paisley, where he'd come from having this sense of, uh, be, being that, seen as peacemakers. But, but that came and, after, that came after Dion. Um, Bill Clinton, particularly Bill. Yeah, yeah. Because I mean, but but I can't remember who told me once that Bill Clinton came into a room. They were in it. I think it might have been Ryan Feeney, you know, my friend from the Ulster Council, who's mm -hmm. now sort of a powerhouse of Queen's University, Belfast. I think he told me that the 
the first time he met, Clinton came into the room and he said, wow, it was like the ready break ad. You know, this guy comes in with this glow and like he works the room. And, ah, you feel like almost blushing with pleasure, you know, yeah, when, he, yeah. when he, I mean, you can only imagine how Monica Lewinsky felt, you know. <laughs> but, but, but before you got to the point you were talking about, you had Clinton, you had Tony Blair, you had Bertie, all throwing their arm around No, David, I know. All throwing their arm around David Trimble. You're with the big boys now, like, this yeah. is your chance. This is your chance to, to, to do things that you never believed and dreamed that you could do. And in David Trimble, and in David Trimble, because it was a happy coincidence, you know, in David Trimble, you had a guy who was prepared to sacrifice himself for the common good, you know. And I think in a way, I think his personal advisor made that exact same point in the documentary, looking back at, at Lord Trimble's mm. life when he died earlier this year. That this guy knew, he knew that he was sacrificing himself because the DUP were opposed to it, the the the, or, the unionist people in general. Mm. You know, there was a large swathe of them opposed to it. You know, but the deal was done because world leaders, and particularly the American president, came in with George Mitchell with all his yeah. heavy artillery, with everything that they could bring, all the financial incentives, everything else, and the job was done. Mm. You know, and we brought. 800 years, 800 years of strife to an end, you know. And so Joe Biden should be using his offices to advocate for humanity. It's a really simple proposition. Not taking sides, you know, there, there, there is no difference between the suffering of those Israeli people and the suffering of the Palestinian people who have lost their lives. You know, but already even in the numbers game, you know, we're now up to almost 4,000 dead Palestinians. Their infrastructure's destroyed, what limited infrastructure they had. You know, when, as Basim Yusuf said, is the exchange rate enough for the Israelis? I mean, how many will have to be killed before they say, well, that's enough now. We'll call a temporary halt, you know, we'll keep the prison camp going. We'll, we'll blast away. Look, we're going to have to suffer the odd atrocity ourselves. Uh, this side of the this side of the wall and this side of the Iron Dome, but you know, that's that's the price you have to pay when you're up against these subhuman animals. I mean, surely, surely, as the world sees all this unfolding now, you know, and even and and, and I was interested in this, Dion, that. Keir Stammer has had to roll back from his outrageous comments. The director of public prosecutions, the senior, once the senior criminal lawyer in England, Wales, saying, "Oh, Israel do have that right mm. to starve a population, to cut them off from vital infrastructure." All of these are war crimes. All of these are crimes against international law. And now, whenever he's had multiple resignations of Muslim members and Muslim councillors up and down the land, now all of a sudden his language is tempered. Yeah. And von der Leyen, another one, who was We Stand With Israel. You know, she, she couldn't wait to get out there. I mean, what the hell is that about? I have not seen her once saying, Dion, with all the bombings and all the atrocities that we've been seeing, We Stand With Palestine. I mean, whoa, 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 whoa. That, is, that is the most dispiriting thing about it. This is like watching... This is like watching, I don't know if you recall, the, the, the horrific incident that happened in Meath outside a, an, a, 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 a secondary school in Meath mm. where uh, a young boy was being bullied by five or six people from the school, schoolmates, boys and girls, who beat him to the ground savagely and videoed it and took great relish in it. And you think to yourself, Jesus Christ, Look at this. There's nothing worse than bullying. And then, then, you project it onto this awesome, unimaginable scale of bullying that's going on in Gaza with these defenseless people simply being slaughtered. It is, um, it is why I think, again, you're, you, look, what you're saying about Biden is completely true. I think it's, uh, there I, th I think this sense now of, of there needs to be, I know you say about the grand war, like, you know, last week I woke up one day to the headline that privately Biden had given, given Netanyahu backing. 
for the ground. I think board. it's highly unlikely. The, but like, I think it's ha- highly unlikely. Uh, there is a piece. In there her- does. There will come a point. There will come a point if this gets much worse. I know it can't get much worse, really. But there will come a point. You know, there will come a point because it'll have to come. You know, already you're seeing tens of thousands of Jewish people of good intent protesting across America. You know, you're seeing people of influence saying, look, this this cannot continue. And the only protection that the Israeli government has, the only protection Netanyahu, Mark Regev, all of these scoundrels, these really vile human beings have, is America. That's the only thing that's protecting them from war crimes from the International Criminal Court. You know, and there's surely a middle there's surely a middle ground here. I mean, I, I see I see Joe Biden hugging Benjamin Netanyahu. You know, I see him hugging these people who who are doing the rounds of the TV studios, you know, spouting this horrific propaganda, you know, and talking so cheaply about human life. And that's fine. That's the that's the that's the politic of nations. And that's what that's what the American president does, you know. But let's see him do that with let's see him do that with Gaza. But let's see him do let's see him do that with the Palestinians. There was a piece by Yuval Noah Harari in Haaretz, and I think this also gets to the point where it said Israelis need more than a vague demand to destroy Hamas. In the darkest period of World War II, Franklin Delano Roosevelt and Churchill mapped out a post-war future. Now is the time for the government to present a vision of the Israel for which millions of soldiers and civilians are being asked to risk and even sacrifice their lives. Because ultimately the problem with Netanyahu Netanyahu is he is a kind of a a nihilist. He is a fatalist. He never believed, like I I picked up a a profile of him by David Remnick written in, in 1998. And Remnick knows Israel you know, he's an expert in Israel. He's been out there, and he went out there, and he talked to Netanyahu. The New Yorker, the guy yeah. who wrote the famous biography of Ali. That's right, and, and yeah, yeah. He writes, he's, I think he's the editor, the editor, of, the editor of the New Yorker. Editor of the New Yorker. Yeah. But this is, this is from 1998, and he says, Netanyahu's overall argument is that the left's dream of a new Middle East, of peaceful relationships and open markets in a region of Arab dictatorships is fantasy. The real Middle East is not this lovely palette of lovely colours, he said. Now that was always yeah. Netanyahu's belief. And again, he's a warmonger. If you, you watch, if you watch, and this is the tragedy, and this is why personalities are so important, because if you watch that uh, documentary, um, The Human Factor, you see what happened. You see how important Arafat and Yitzhak Rabin was. And Rabin was, Rabin was a general he was in the army in 1948. Yeah. He was a general in 1967. Yeah, but he, he had the medals. But he wanted to do business. But he wanted to do, but because he'd seen. And they it, had him assassinated. And the, yeah, and because they'd seen, he'd seen where war takes you, he wanted to, he wanted peace. And you watch it, and, and Netanyahu. They had him assassinated. They had him assassinated. And Yitzhak Rabin's widow squarely blamed Netanyahu. She well, said, he has blood on his hands for my husband's assassination. Well, they, 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 they Hamas blew, there was a suicide bomb in Tel Aviv from Hamas who opposed the peace process, killing a number of Israeli soldiers. And Netanyahu, yeah, the right wing, there's clips in this of of the outside his his residence saying, uh, Rabin is a murderer. And And he was assassinated. And yet he knew, and from that moment, the peace process started to unravel. And, you know, his words... His words when he was in the White House, when he shook hands with Arafat, and even that took so much courage at the time because the way that the, the way it was stage managed, the way everything, and himself and Arafat developed this really deep, deep bond. It's like, as you said, it's like, like Paisley and McGuinness. Because that's, that's what human beings are. I know, and he stood up, he stood up in the White House and he said to them, Let me say to you, the Palestinians, we are distinct to live together on the same soil, in the same land. We, the soldiers who have returned from battles, stained with blood. We who have seen our relatives and friends killed before our eyes. We who have attended their funerals and cannot look into the eyes of of their parents. 
we who have come a who have come from a land where parents buried their children. We who have fought against you, the Palestinians, we say to you today in a loud and a clear voice, enough of blood and tears. Enough. See, and that's why, that's why this policy of segregation of not allowing Palestinians into Israel, scattering a few work permits, but making sure that they're intermenced to keep their heads down. You know, they're only there in good behaviour and they're, they're temporary work permits. That's why it's so important to keep people segregated because it is only by segregating and dehumanising them that you can convince the Israeli people that they are lesser than they are. And I, 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 thought, I thought we would finish today I know that um, Humza Yusuf, who's the Scottish First Minister and uh, whose wife is, is Palestinian, his mother-in-law uh, is a retired nurse from Dundee. That's Dundee in Scotland. And she lives in Gaza. And she posted a truly heartbreaking video in the midst of this uh, appalling slaughter that's going on from Gaza and uh, we'll uh, you know with a heavy heart leave the listener uh, with her words this will be my last video everybody from Gaza is moving towards where we are one million people no food no water and still they're bombing them as they leave we're going to put them but my thought is all these people in the hospital cannot be evacuated. Where's humanity? Where's people's hearts in the world to let this happen at this day and age? And may God help us. Goodbye. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.